0: Like you too. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> nice guy. Right, so, listen, so, I, I'll tell you the truth. I, you know, I go to speak in different places, different locations. Sometimes the 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 island, the crowd that I'm speaking to, doesn't doesn't uh, intimidate me so much. Sometimes it intimidates me a little bit more. This is very intimidating. Right? Why? I'm not worried about getting, you know, tomatoes thrown at me. That's not what uh, what's what's what, what's on my mind. But I'm in a room now of of Yidden, of people that dedicate them themselves completely with all their kaiches, all their energy, all their talents for a for the Jewish people, for you know, for boys and girls of the Jewish people to raise them to become Sadiqim and That's, that's uh, you know. I'll tell you one one time I was I was by a big tzaddik once. And there was something going on in my life that I needed a, uh, I needed a bracha. So after the sada was giving a shir, so after the share, I went over to him and I, I gave him my name that I wanted a bracha. So he looks at me and he says, Hashem should bless you, that you should know how much he loves you. And I said, yeah, thank you very much. But uh, l'ma, I, I need a bracha. And he said, did you hear what I just said? That you should know how much Hashem loves you. So, I mean, really, I, th- that's the biggest thing, that the biggest gift that God can give every single one of you is just for you to know, even a little bit. Ephesus could say utira to see a little bit of, uh, into that world that's called how much Hashem loves you, how much Hashem appreciates you. you know, you've dedicated yourself completely for Him. You know, so really, you know, anything I can say is, uh, is really just trying to somehow give context for every single one of you to appreciate and to realize not only the magnitude of what you're doing, but to appreciate the gift that is your ability to do it. And so that itself is, uh, is the biggest blessing that I can give and the biggest feel that I could offer up on behalf of all of us is that Hashem should bless you with the realization and the knowledge of how much He needs you, how much He loves you, and how much He appreciates you. That's the occur. Okay, but, you know, since you know, I'm talking to people that are Bali Achrayas, you know, people that take responsibility, see a problem and try to fix it. You know, there, there are some people that they see problems, some people don't see problems. Some people see problems and are not interested in trying to fix it. Some people see problems and actually undertake the responsibility of trying to improve the situation. So I'm talking to Bali Achrayas. So uh, my feeling is that when you talk to people that have this sense of responsibility and so just to speak to you about like you know pat you on the back and everything's fine and you're doing great I don't think it's gonna resonate so let's talk about the job let's talk about the the responsibility of what it means to be involved with dealing with the youth of the generation now listen this is a little bit silly for me to talk to you about because you guys uh, have much more experience in this than me So all I can tell you, or all I can share with you is just maybe a couple observations that I've seen just sort of from the outside looking in. Some things that I've seen from this farm. Just to share. Anyone in education knows that there's always been a phenomenon of a little bit of a generation gap. There's always been this phenomenon that the older generation doesn't really get the younger generation. The younger generation looks at the older generation as like completely out to lunch. It's, it's always kind of been like that. But anyone in education and all you, uh, you know, without, without having to, you know, to explain too much, that the, the gap between the generations and the, the different language that the youth speak with, and the different mindset, the different perspective, and the completely different uh, almost DNA that, that the younger generation has, is uh, is unmatched in the course of Jewish history. We haven't seen anything like this. Not only not only is it is the is the change is the difference in mentality extreme, but the the speed in which it happens constantly is also unmatched. And so you have this very very funny situation where the Rebbeinu Shalom puts on your shoulders who you know you're from obviously you're older than your students, the responsibility to give to your students everything that they need, despite the fact that they seem completely different than you, and they see things differently than you. So that's what I want to speak about for a few minutes, to try to figure out a little bit, just really intellectually, figuring out a little bit what, this, what is happening, what's this shift, why is this difference, what's the root of this difference, and maybe by understanding a little bit of the root, we'll be able maybe to get a better, a little bit more EITs's, intuitively to figure out how to handle it, how to manage it, and not only manage it, but maybe even to find the ability to see it as a as a as a as a, as a tool. Something that I can actually you can embrace it, we can embrace it, and uh, accelerate the growth of the younger generation. You know, it's a funny thing as you know, closer to Rosh Hashanah so we can make this in the context of Rosh Hashanah, every holiday has its own personality, you know? And It's an amazing thing. Like Pesach, you know, has its personality of redemption and so on, and that's always the way it's been. Every generation, again, there's different flavors, different nuances, but Pesach is always Pesach. You know, Sukkot is always Sukkot. The one holiday that it itself seems to reflect the changing times and the changing mentalities of the generation is Rosh Hashanah. Right? It goes without saying that in earlier times, earlier generations, Rosh Hashanah was always focused on the din, on the judgment, on the dread, on the trepidation, on the shortcomings of man. And all of a sudden, something has begun to shift. The seeds were planted a long time ago. But anyone with eyes knows and sees that, 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 that the, 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 the the atmosphere that surrounds Rosh Hashanah by many places is very different than uh, what it used to be. Some places ex- extremely different. And, 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 and Rosh Hashanah can be sort of the uh, you know, sort of the model through which we can sort of appreciate the diverse qualities and perspectives of generation, where you have the parents, you know, thinking about Elul and Rosh Hashanah in a certain way, and the kids are thinking about it in a completely different way. So who's right? Who's wrong? What is Rosh Hashanah? Why why this shift? Is it correct? Is it incorrect? Is it a benefit? Is it a chesaron? Is it a roadblock to growth? Could it be part of helping one's growth? Uh, you have to understand this. Okay. Let's say it like this. Okay. Uh, 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 there are two words in Hebrew that we all are familiar with, we've all heard of, we live with, we experience, the Jewish people have experienced, and that's called the Sedaris. So we know that there is a phenomenon. The phenomenon is that from the moment of Harsinai, where we got the Torah, ever since then, it's been... Every, generations have been on a slow decline. Okay, that's true. But usually, the, 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 the nature of Eurydice Hedaris is such where the decline, as I said, is consistent, but it's slow by its quality, by its nature. It's slow. Uh, and the lower the younger generation, despite being smaller in stature in terms of spiritual sensitivity, awareness... Tyra, Avaida, and so on, although the younger generation is smaller in stature than the older generation, but it's not but but they're at least of the same kind. It's within the same context as the older generation, it's just less. And so the general approach throughout the generations to deal with Eurydice Sidiris was the following, which is that we that the older generation understands that what they have and what they were given is what the younger generation also needs and will also thrive thrive with. It's just that they are smaller in stature than us. And because of that, the approach is to constrict and to simplify and to make the, the, the teachings of Tyra and the transmission of the Messiah in a more simplified, watered-down version. And every generation gets watered down, watered down, watered down. And that's the approach, because the younger generation <coughs> is smaller and, and less in stature. The same species, so to speak, the same way of thinking, the same wavelength, but just increasingly smaller in stature. So the approach is whatever we got, we give over in that direct way, just watered down in a more simplified version. That is the tactic to deal with through That's always the way it's been, and that's always been successful. But what we see in these generations doesn't seem to fit with the usual model of Yudhis Adaris. Because as I said, the, 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 the telltale signs of Yudhis Adaris is consistent, you know, uh, 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 slow descent. And even after the descent of the next generation, the same wavelength as the older generation, just miniature, just smaller. What we see nowadays, and again, this is not just now, it started already at this point probably uh, close to 200 years ago, but it's just building upon it, snowballing, is that all of a sudden the, descent, the, the change in the generation is not only a slow step-by-step descent. We're talking about falling off a cliff. We're talking about a complete, a complete shriveling of spiritual sensitivity and spiritual numbness to such a degree that it doesn't follow the usual path and cl- incline of Eurydice Adaris, number one, so it doesn't fit that model. And number two, through the descent, the younger generation is, thinks completely differently than the older generation. And so something else is at play. So you know, very often people will, will just say, OK, this is just an intensification of Eurydice Adaris. But that's, that's incorrect. Yurisodaris has not changed. It's it's, the pattern has not changed for thousands of years. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden now things are completely different and the pattern is changing. Again, like I said, things are falling off the cliff quicker. It's it's a much steeper incline than ever before. And it's a completely different mindset as well. And so something else is going on. So this is what I want to share with you. What other phenomena is at play besides Yurisodaris? We still have Yerida Sadaris, but there's something else at play. What is that? OK, so I'll share with you an idea that we find in this form. Rabbi Sadek Akain of Lublin, the great Hasidic masters and thinkers, he passed away in the year 1900, so it's not so far away. So Sadek writes in a few places the following idea. I'm different very from others. He says as follows. When we think of Jewish history, we think of it very linear. right? Something happened in the past, and certainly whatever happens in the past has a has an effect going forward, right? So Hashem gave us a turn Har so that was a major event, and so that has an effect going forward. So much so that every single year on Vav Sivan, we feel the effects of that event that took place on that original Vav Sivan, and that's true with all past events. But Tzadik says is a phenomenal thing. He says that's not. The full picture of Jewish history. The way to think of Jewish history is like throwing a rock into a pond. When you put a pebble into a pond, it causes ripple effects in all directions. So it says, just as events in Jewish history have their effect going forward, and they create a ripple going forward, and there are certain moments in time where we feel that ripple stronger, so too there are eventualities in Jewish history that have yet to be, but will be and are guaranteed to be that they also cause a ripple effect going backwards in time. Cesar Tzaddik. One great eventuality which Be'z Hashem is right around the corner is the coming of Mashiach. That is an eventuality that's guaranteed to happen. B'itayach achishana. And Cesar Tzaddik in the later generations of Vickers of the Mashiach. Besides the phenomenon of Yudhisadiris, which is a result of moving away from that original moment of our Sinai, there's something else that we're feeling, which is the ripple effect of the light of Mashiach boomeranging backwards in time. And so, says Ratzadik, this phenomenon of us feeling the effects of a future event that has yet to come creates a very confused neshama. Because here's the idea. What the neshama of our generation is trying to process and to come to terms with is that it's trying to figure out what is it that it's feeling? What, what is happening to itself? And what, and, what, and what the neshama of our generation is trying to grapple with is that it's looking for tools and it's looking for a language through which to articulate and to process the light which it's subconsciously feeling boomeranging back from a Now that sounds a little bit strange and out there, but this is the reality. That's where it's other cries. And let's understand the type of Torah, the type of experience that the Nisham that that we experience now, a Yiddishkeit of now, of pre Mashiach versus a, a, a Yiddishkeit of post Mashiach, are very, very different. You see, post Mashiach, which is again what the Neshamis are subtly picking up on and trying to process, post Mashiach is a world where Torah and mitzvahs are not things that we do. I mean, there'll be things that we do. But Torah and mitzvahs will be as real and as tangible. Is the very table that we're sitting by. Where the concept of Elokos, the concept of the Rabbanu Shlilam, the Rabbanu will no longer be just a formula and an idea that we officially subscribe to and that we were willing to die for. But when Mashiach comes, like the Pasik says, like the Ramam ends off Mishnah Torah with, that with the coming of Mashiach, that the world will be full and saturated with God's knowledge, like waters fill the ocean. Waters filling the ocean is not a concept. It's not a formula. It's not a theory. That's something that's mamash. It's, it's tangible. The coming of Mashiach ushers in a, a new way of engaging with Yiddishkeit, where Yiddishkeit and Elokos and the Rabbanu is more real than anything else. Like the Rambam starts Mishnah Torah with such a sentence. It's an amazing thing. The Rambam begins his book, Mishnah Torah, which is all of Torah, all of Yiddishkeit is in that book. How does he begin? So it's an amazing thing. The Ramam starts with the following words, the foundation of all foundations and the pillar of all wisdom of Tyra is the following truth, that there is an original existence. And through that existence, that's called God, everything else exists. And if it wasn't for God's existence, nothing else would exist. That's a very strange term to talk about, to call Hashem. The existence. He's the Bayre, He's the Creator. He's Hashem Misbarach, HaKadosh Baruch We have a lot of words. The Rambam is very particular with his language because the Rambam is foreshadowing like where this is all headed. And the purpose of all things, when, when Mashiach comes, God will not be described as the Creator anymore. God won't be described as the one that knows all things. God will be the existence. And let's understand the Yiddishkeit of post mashiach is a Yiddishkeit that's completely completely, uh, 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 orbiting God as the existence. And this is what the neshamas of our generation are feeling intuitively and are trying to process. Now, this is where the difference between the, 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 the type of messara that's been transmitted until now versus the type of messara that needs to be given to the generation to give them the tools to process what they're feeling. In earlier generations, as I said, the Torah was, not, was, not, was never tried to be described in such a way of reality itself. These are things that we have to do to guide us through reality. What is reality? The room that we're sitting in. Torah and mitzvahs are there to give us direction through this room. And that is an approach that was, that's good and whol- and holy and wholesome and perfect for nishamists that are not feeling the reverberations of Mashiach. And, and that's what's been until recent times. And, be, and with the quality of Riddos Adairis, the approach was, I'm going to, the early generation says, I'm going to give over to the younger generation the tools about how to navigate through reality. Reality, as I said, is this physical world. That's it, pretty much. And we're going to give them tarim mitzvahs, which is to help them navigate through life. But because they're less than us and they're smaller in stature than us, it has to be even watered down and even more simplified. The problem is, is that because we're dealing with a generation that's, feeling the reverberations of Mashiach, what they're really looking for is a way to articulate and to process a Torah that's no longer just guiding them through life, but a Torah that that is more tangible than life itself, a way through which that they can truly process Irish Mashiach. See, and let's understand, this is a Yiddishkeit that doesn't and, and let me explain something even more this is a yiddishkeit that does not want to talk about how we know god exists this is al- this is very often the confusing part where people in education and so on when they when they think about having to talk about the rebunish l'olam and this type of idea it usually becomes misunderstood into a discussion about Muna, which is like how to deal with like, uh, the dinosaur bone that you found in the backyard, right? Or how to deal with like, our religion versus other religions, or how you know God exists. Let's understand, all that is, is, is beneath, it's the most uncomfortable thing for a neshama of our generation. Neshamas that are picking up the light of Mashiach, it's beneath them to talk about how I know God exists. Just like none of us would have a discussion right now for three hours about how we know the table exists in front of us, just see it. The shamans that are picking up on the reverberations of Mashiach, God is the reality. To talk about how I know God exists, is it feels like clothing that doesn't fit. So when we talk about a munah, and we talk about a Yiddishkeit that's revolving around God as the existence, we're not talking about proving God's existence, and we're not talking about age of the universe or comparative religions. That's not what we're talking about. That's... Even if the kids say they're bothered with that, that's not really what they're bothered by. What we're talking about is everything you're already teaching, whether it be Shabbos candles, whether it be about tefillin, whether it be about Shabbos, whether it be a blot gemara, whatever the, whatever the Torah is that you're already teaching, we're talking about trying to give a third dimension to it, where the children are, 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 are allowed in to the experience of realizing that Shabbos candles is not just something that you do, Mm -hmm. but through that action of lighting Shabbos candles, there's something inside the neshama that's called Nehra Shabbos that's becoming activated. And every mitzvah is a doorway into that reality of godliness that's called tzitzis, tefillin, Shabbos, kashas. And so it's not another subject, it's not another discussion about how I know this is true. That's, that's, That's unbecoming for them. That doesn't, that's not giving them the tools to process Arish al-Mashiach because the coming of Mashiach is not a time where we'll be able to prove God exi- God's existence. All there will be is God's existence. And so the type of discussion to have with, uh, the, to neshamists that are sensitive to Arish al-Mashiach is not how do we know God exists. It's we know God is the existence. Let's try to figure out ways in which we could experience that existence, both intellectually emotionally, and even just just intuitively. And the tools that we have is not outside 613. It's all within Tariq Mitzvahs. It has to be such. Because the 613 are the only ways in which we connect to the existence of God. It's just a matter of seeing mitzvahs as openings and channels into the true reality, which is called God. I, I say this in shul, and I, you know, for some of you, maybe have heard this from me. So, don't give away the answer. So, I, what I usually ask guys is like, you know, might, the girls, the women over here will be my me, but like, what is this? So you don't have to be shy. Tzitzis, yeah? Incorrect. These are strings that I wear to allow me access to a place in my neshama and a place in God that's called tzitzis. Again, these are strings that I wear to allow me mm-hmm. access to a place in a that's called tzitzit. That's what a mitzvah is. And thinking about mitzvahs and approaching mitzvahs and learning about mitzvahs and speaking about mitzvahs in such a way, that's, that, I, I, in my humble opinion, the, through the Svar again I mean, it's not my opinion, it's where Tzadik writes, this is the way, this, this is giving the younger generation the tools to process what it is that they're intuitively feeling. Now, what makes this job that much harder, and I'm not trying to make it easier on you. I'm just telling you the reality. What makes this job harder is that there is still the phenomenon of vidisadars. This is not this is not you know replacing that phenomenon. So at the same time, where you have people whose, to a certain degree, a certain side of them, their spiritual sensitivity, and devotion to focusing on Torah and Vay and so on, is diminished as the generations go on, which requires the older generation to communicate in more simplified terms and simplified ways. At the same time, the deepest part of the neshama is hearing arish al-mashiach, sensing arish al-mashiach, and therefore is demanding the deepest tires and the deepest experiences ever. And so this is now your job. Your job is to somehow, my job as well, is to somehow communicate in simple terms the deepest ideas and the deepest experiences. Thank you very much. Right. So <laughs> that's, a, that's a hard job. That's a hard job. But despite the fact that it's a hard job, first of all, it's not impossible. Second of all, if I shouldn't put you in that position, that means you have to do it. It means you can't do it. It means you have to see our students as immature prophets. Immature prophets. Very immature prophets. But prophets people that people that contain within them the shamas that want to experience elocus maybe more than their grandparents ever did but at the same time that you know that very um, passionate drive of prophecy so to speak is packaged in a big baby in a big baby and so th- th- this is this is the job that we have to do, which is to figure out ways, in which, to be honest with ourselves, and to say, and to somehow communicate, and to give over a Yiddishkeit, which, which is a Yiddishkeit that 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 we are also trying to experience, a Yiddishkeit that that we're also doing mitzvahs in such a way where we're trying to enter into that space that's called the mitzvah. When, you, when when we engage in myths like that and we give over lessons of Yiddishkeit where the lesson itself is saturated with the mood and the atmosphere of that this is more real than anything else you're ever going to experience, then they'll they'll figure it out. Because you know, one of the great one of the great mysteries, it's an amazing thing. One of the great you know, the, the, the tools, according to Chazal by the way, I don't have any there's no clocks here, this is the problem by the way. I'm just saying. Then purposely, okay. So here, just one of, the, one of the, the great... There you go. So one of the great... A few more minutes, we'll just end with this. One of the great uh, tools that... Th- the tradition of prophecy that was passed down from generation to generation in the Gemara is called Kava, the workings of a chariot. And what's an amazing thing, the Gemara says in... It's a Mishnah Chagiga. The Mishnah says in Chagiga that those secrets... Which is again, which is exactly what we're talking about: figuring out a way to communicate the reality of God and the reality of Torah mitzvahs. So that's what the older generation, the, by the times of the Nevi'im, the Ch- Chazal. That's what they did. That's what that was. Maisim Merkava. So how did they do it? What's amazing is that the language of the Mishnah in Chagiga is that the the master would give over to the student, but he wouldn't say it. He would give over rashi prakim. You know, half a sentence here, half a sentence there. Rashi prakim, right? And the student had to be a The student had to be wise enough to figure it out on their own. Because the truth is that these are things that cannot be articulated. How do you give over to someone else the experience of elakus? You can't really. You can talk around it. That's why in the, in the Hasidic tzvarem, what's the most famous, most popular word in all the Hasidic farm? Bechina. What does the word bechina mean? Not a test. Bechina means something like Every other word in this form, bechinas Shabbos, bechinas this, the aspect of the aspect of something like this. Why, why don't you just tell me the point? What's the word The answer is because you can't say the point. You can you can create an environment in which the point itself emerges on its own. And this is how to when we communicate to our students. There's two types of languages. There's a way to communicate where you are giving information. And there's another type of communication where what you're trying to do is really make room for something to become clear on its own. And these are the two types of modes of communication that we need to do. The Eurydice Hadoris side of the generation need to be spoken words that are simple and straightforward and you're giving over something that you have. But the Arishal al-Mashiach part of the generation need to hear words whose very purpose is just making a space for them to be the Chacham Umeiv Midaitai that they are. And this is a big job, but it means that everything we say in the classroom, or otherwise, has to be said in this way, where we ourselves are davening and are trying to discover eloquence in, in ourselves. And if we do that to ourselves, then, we're, then the words that we say in that context are just, are just like plows, making room, and shovels, just making room and for that to emerge. Just like we have in Yiddish guy, right? You have a sefer tire which is black ink on white ink, on white parchment. The ink is tangible, but then you have the luchas. The words of the luchas were not tangible letters. They were letters that emerged when you carve away the stone. That's the type of words that, that the that neshamis of original mashiach pick up on. They'll figure it on their own if the words that are said are words that are trying to make space, not just giving them something. And you can do it. The Shalom put you in a position where you are the teachers of neviim. Teachers anvim, no different than It's a big job. And I guess only you can do it. So that's our that's our collective tefillah, that we should all ourselves be able to discover Hashem. To discover what a mitzvah is, to truly say one time in our lives we did a mitzvah, and we enter into that space, to speak like that, and to believe that, and to daven in such a way. And with that, we'll be able to give over Maisim Rakava, and the Talmudim will be Khachamim, Umavinamida. Hashem shall bless each and every one of you, like I said to know how much Hashem loves you and appreciates you and to give you the tools and the skills to be able to communicate Yiddishkeit and to give it over properly. And Michelle will be able to greet Mashiach. <laughs> there you go. I like it. I like it. <laughs> 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 I don't to stop it. Yes. Yeah, sure.